So you know that we're teaching a series right now that says there is a Christ for that. And it literally started, thank you so much. It literally started because Pastor Elwin had a dream. And I didn't make you tell the dream last week, so it's time to tell the dream again. <laughs> okay, so the dream goes like this. Here's the long and short of it. Uh, the long and short of it is I'm having this dream because I am uh, in my dream taking Jordan uh, to I'm picking her up from school. She calls me and says she needs to be an hour. Instead of me driving home, I stay at the school. Um, I'm dreaming all of this. But in my dream, when I'm at the school in my truck waiting on her, I go to sleep. And in that dream, I'm asking the Lord what I should share with his people. And I, I, I go to this place with the Lord uh, and he wants to show me something. And before he begins to show me something, he says the thing he wants me to share with his people is to tell them that there is a Christ for that. And I didn't understand in my dream. I didn't understand the, the meaning or the language. So he takes me to this place, which I can only describe in my um, imagination as this huge cathedral, uh, really large building, church-like building. Um, and, on, and on the right-hand side uh, is all of these people. And it's almost like if you could think about cubicles. It's all of these people, but there's no divider. They're just people. And these people are suffering with all kinds of things that people in the world suffer with. Um, and the Lord, I just remember one of the things is he turns my shoulders. And when he turns my shoulders to look at those people, um, there's this really translucent, bright light, which I, in my dream, assumed must have been Jesus. I couldn't see any facial features, but the presence had to be Jesus himself. Uh, and as he begins to walk by all of these people, all of these situations, all of these circumstances, all these different things, whatever the people were suffering with, it went away and it didn't just go away. It became something different. If somebody was suffering with great grief, right? They, be they begin to have joy. If they had some physical ailment, uh, they were healed. If they were having lack in whatever area, it just changed. And it wasn't like a church service where he was laying hands on them and they were falling out. He literally was just moving by. And, and when he got like closer to me or whatever, uh, the Lord said, this is what I want you to tell my people. Tell them that there is a Christ for that. And what it was really saying was that there is an anointing available uh, to all of us. And I guess we came back and we talked about how maybe uh, that was really representative of the church since it was in the church, not just people in the world, but even people in the church who are hurting and suffering, who love God dearly, who who, who work in the ministry, who who serve, who give, who who pray, who fast, who do all of those things, but they're suffering. And he was like, tell my people that there is a Christ. There is an anointing for that. And that being whatever that is for that individual person, that there is nothing uh, that the anointing can't prescribe to, to be the deliverance of it. Absolutely. How many of you love to hear that? You love to be stared with that. And I think it's so important that we learn to properly steward prophetic moments, whether that's the guiding word, whether that's something the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whether that's a dream that you can clearly see that Jesus is in, we have to learn to steward those moments. Why? Because the word is how we get victory. Can you put that in the comment? The word is how we get victory. I believe as Hebrew tells us that the worlds were framed mm -hmm. by the things which do not appear 
which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. So the reason that we keep rehearsing the guiding word, the reason that I keep having Pastor Edwin share this beautiful dream that um, God graciously gave us, the reason that we keep saying the same things over is because the Bible tells us in Romans what? Faith comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. So the more that you hear there's a Christ for that, the more it gets in your heart. And when sickness shows up, instead of saying, what am I going to do? Your heart begins to respond. There is a Christ for that. Mm -hmm. When you begin to, when you're challenged financially, you don't say, what am I going to do? Who can I call to help me? You begin to say, there is a Christ for that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So the reality of it is, is that the reason that many of us have so much financial struggle is we have heard more about our lack and our poverty than God's provision for us. We, we have faith that there's not enough money at the right. end of the month. Right. We have faith that the paycheck isn't enough. We have faith that the economy is going to tank us too. And as a man thinketh in his heart, whatever he attaches his faith to, that's what he's going to live by, which is why it is possible for there to be two families in the same church, getting the same teaching, showing up for the same sessions. And one family is soaring no matter what is going on economically. And another family is being crushed. It is not because God favors the other family. It is that we must attach our faith to activate the anointing in our lives. Yeah, I like uh, a preacher used to say it like this all the time, that God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He, he does is respect a respecter faith. of faith. He respects faith. Faith is his way of allowing everything to be equal among us. Because you have to access all of the promises of God through by faith. faith. Right. All of the promises of God. Put that in the comments. All of the promises of God are accessed by faith. Now, you need to keep sharing this because there are so many believers, even your friends, even your family, and they need to be reminded that God is not does not show favor He except he favors faith. Yes. It's not because I'm Sean Strickland, because he's Edwin Strickland. It is because it's not because we're pastors. I know lots of broke pastors. I know lots of pastors with raggedy marriages. It's not your function in the church. It is your position of faith. Yeah. I must take God at his word. So for those of you who are like, oh, my goodness, we're talking about the guiding word again. Or, oh, my goodness, we're talking about Christ is there is a Christ for that until you have manifested Everything God says belongs to you. You should be willing to pursue more faith, stare your faith up, grab it deep in your heart until you are producing it, right? And we love repetitive teaching at this ministry, but repetitive teaching is not for memorization. It is for transformation. Amen. Repetitive teaching in this ministry is not for memorization. It is for transformation, which means you must use your faith to put a demand on what is being preached. Now I'm going to pray, but I want to give you guys an example. I remember, I don't know the year, but I want to say it was 2019. It was either 2018 or 2019. 
and you were preaching and you got stared up. We were all here in the sanctuary and you got stared up and you began to stare us and prophesy us to us that every partner should make at least a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Right now, I want to say this. There are many of you that have been partners since 2019 and that word still has not manifested in your life. Not because God doesn't favor you, but because you have not put a demand on it to be true in your life, too. And I want you to hear me because I know we have international partners. And I love Bishop Oyedipo because yep. he says this. He says faith works everywhere. everywhere. It works in every nation. I don't care how poor your nation is. I don't care how poor your parents are. I don't care how poor your city is. I don't care how poor your time is. Faith works everywhere does. faith works everywhere and so what what happened i remember that if you think about it um i have been making more money but i honestly had never put a demand on making six figures because you made over six figures and it's this light bulb that comes on that i hear every partner I'm a partner, too, mm -hmm. of this ministry. And I remember that you had people to come and stand. I was standing on one side for entrepreneurs. Yeah. You were standing on one side. But before I got in the line to let entrepreneurs hit my hand, I hit your hand. I had to put a demand on the word. Even being your wife, I want y'all to hear this. Even the words God gives me will prosper you and not prosper me if I don't use my faith. It's true. Do y'all hear what we're saying today? We can, I can literally give you a word. I can give you a word that is for the body, but if I don't receive it, if I somehow believe I'm an exemption, if I somehow believe that my circumstances are different, if I believe I'm too old, I'm too young, it's because I'm a woman, it's because I'm black, whatever lie-based thinking that I believe, if I believe it, you can be living off of a word that God gave me for the body, but I am not living in the fruit of it. Which is the reason that I take so seriously the word I teach because why would I teach a word to set someone else free and I myself become a castaway? Now, Paul what, talks Paul about talks that, doesn't about he? That. But why would I say to somebody, you can be healed, you can be delivered, your marriage can be restored, your kids can be saved, you can go back to school, you can do X, you can do Y, you can do Z, but then don't believe the very word I preach so that I end up living long enough to see somebody else manifest the very things that I desire, but because I preached it doesn't mean it's going to come to pass if I don't have faith for it myself. You have to have faith and not just faith in your faith. You got to have faith in the one who has made the promise. I, I'm not, I don't have faith in my principles. I have faith in the one who's made the promise. When Christ says there's a, when God told me there's a Christ for that, when he says, tell your people there's a Christ for that, he was trying to stress for us that whatever is going to come our way that we may not even know about yet. The, 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 the guiding word kind of gives us a warning about the first six months. We don't know what's going to happen the, the next six months. What we do know, though, is that whatever comes our way, there's a Christ for that. And I don't believe that he would have shared that with me to share with our people if he didn't want that to become something that, that gets embedded in us rather than just some slogan that we have. That Absolutely. Christ is the answer. That Christ is the answer. Now, I don't know if you watched on Wednesday night, 
But Pastor Ralph began to go through the prophetic words that we had heard over the years. And if you didn't listen to that, you should. But if you've been around for a while, you can see that God has given us these words and these words have been the anchor for us. I need everybody who is on this live, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're watching from to that, to make this confession right here and to say it with all of your faith. I prosper in every season. Yeah. I prosper in every season. Now, I am not as good as Pastor Edwin um, in remembering the specific things from, from each year because basically I'm just like, God will be good to us every year, right? But what was the word in 2020 that caused so many of us to prosper even in a pandemic? I actually don't remember which this you year. don't remember the year of harvest, the year of great harvest. I don't what, remember what was 2020. What was 2020, Ralph? Do you have that one? But it was the word, and it literally kept our ministry and caused our partners to thrive. In fact, of everything, I am right your here? solution. Oh. Yes, because <sighs> it, it was the pandemic year. I need you to know that no matter what you see in your natural eyes and no matter what bad things appear, heaven is coming and I am your solution. Now, if you were with us in 2020, you think about how we use that word and that word became both our sword to fight what was coming against us and our shield to divert what was trying to come and get us and how many of us increase and prosper the year of release. We confess that it was the year of release. Shavandra, I love these people going back in their notes. It was five to one. And how many of you experienced five to one even in the midst of a pandemic? Come on, Etoy, that's exactly what I want people testifying. She says, in the middle of a pandemic, I got a promotion and a pay increase. My business made more money. Sean Strickland's business made more money than it had ever made before. It's the middle of a pandemic. The world is shutting down. We are giving more than we've ever given before. We are helping more people than we are That's helping true. more people before. And we are increasing. We gave our biggest, our first biggest scholarship that year. Why? Because we use the word to anchor us. Don said in 2020, I bought a brand new house, newly built. She's not the only one. Kimberly Dennis said in 2020, I got a new job and started making six figures. Somebody says in the middle of the pandemic, I was laid off, but blessed with a job that paid double. It, it is a good thing for us to remember, to remember what God has done. Vita says in 2020, I was released from a timeshare that people said that I couldn't get out of and I paid off $7,000 worth of debt. Now, Vita reminded me of what the Lord said to me this morning, and you've got to grab hold of this. There will be supernatural debt release. Mm. I mean, you you got to learn, just like when Pastor Elwin said, everybody in this church should make six figures. I could keep looking at him and saying, oh, it's cool. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I make 50 or 60 and Pastor Elwin make over, well over one uh, six figures. So it's cool. Or I could say, no, me too. I take this. Cedric Vaughn said, my small business changed into big business in 2020. I am telling you, 
I am telling you that you must learn to have an aggressive response when we hear these words. I want you to think about if you go back to 2020, how many times when the world was crazy, we just kept saying the year release, five to one, year release, five to one. How many times we look crazy? How many times? And let me tell you something. We're still living in that now because now we're in 2023. And uh, Angie says in 2020, they got a new house and bigger that was bigger and better for their family. I am telling you that word, we're still living off the fruit of that word because we will talk to pastors and their ministries are still recovering. But we didn't have to recover because we let the word anchor us as we walk through trouble. I don't want you to hear about the trouble. I want you to hear that he is the provider. You know, I think about that scripture in Jeremiah all the time when I think about how the Lord guided us through that pandemic. I think about the word in Jeremiah when he says that if you put your uh, trust in flesh, if you make flesh your arm, uh, basically he talks about all of the negative things and consequences that are happening. He says, but if you make, if you put your trust in God, he says that literally you wouldn't even see when bad comes. And I feel like that that is literally what he did for us from 2020 to now. It's like bad things happen. And we talk to people around the country about different things that have happened. And we sometimes, and I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, sometimes I feel bad when I'm listening to pastors because I don't have a story about how the pandemic almost took us out. I don't have a story like that. I can't say that, you know, God brought us back. We've been going up, 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 up and up. But again, I think it's because he gave us that word and we use that word to anchor ourselves in our personal lives and in our ministry. And the people who heard that did the same thing. And as you said, faith works everywhere. But I love what you just said, because he just gave us a word that we can grab. We're going to read Jeremiah 15, 16. We're going to read those verses, but he just gave us a word that we can grab. And one of the things that I wish that you would do right now is lay your hands on your eyes, your ears, your heart, and say to the Lord, make me aware when a word has been released that I can use. Did you hear what he just said? We are going up, 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 up. That was a word that you're supposed to grab and say, we are going, I'm a part of Fellowship of Champions. I am a part of the body of Christ. We are going up, 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 up. Now, listen, that means you got to learn how to respond. That may mean you want to go ahead and sow your tithe right now. You want to sow your offer right now because you got your word right now. That should be, look. you should be looking. No, if something looks like I'm going down, that don't belong to me because my man of God just told me we are going up, 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 up. So if it looks down, if it looks even, if it looks stagnant, if it looks stuck, it cannot be the end of my story. Mm -hmm. If it looks like I'm going backwards, that can't be the end. If it looks like I'm staying in the same place, that can't be the end. Why? I need everybody here to go. I'm going up, 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 up. What are some scriptures that agree with that? Ralph, don't move from where you are. Though your beginning be small, your latter end shall greatly increase. We are going up, 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 up. Why? Because we are giving the anointing 
permission to make us a demonstration of the power of God. To be the answer. We're to making, be the answer. We're giving the anointing the permission to be the answer. To be the you answer. Stop searching in high and low and everywhere else. The anointing is your answer. It is your answer. It is your answer. Now let's look at Jeremiah 17 and 5. Father, bless this word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go. Jeremiah 17 and 5. What does it say? This one the Pastor Edwin's favorite scripture. It is. It, it, it anchored me through some really, really difficult times in my life. It says, Thus saith the Lord, cursed and power to fail is the man that trusts in man and who makes flesh, who makes the natural things, his intelligence, his intellect, his money, his arm, his, his resource. It says, in whose heart, right, his emotions, his, his soul departs from the Lord. And then he goes on to say, I think in like verse six or seven, it says that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not even see prosperity. They won't see God's goodness. When it comes, it's not that it doesn't come because it, 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 when, when I used to read this, I used to be like, well, maybe prosperity ain't coming to me. He says it's going to come. The problem is you don't see it because you're putting your trust in your resources, in your own strength and ability. He says those people who do those things, they will dwell in the parched places, dry places, places that don't produce anything. It says in, in a salt land uh, where no where no one lives. He says you can't you you you're you're doing these things right, but because you don't trust God, even if you're doing even if you're in the right place, it's not producing for you. It's like a salt land; nothing lives there, nothing's prospering. He oh wait, says, go back to verse seven, verse five though, because I I think this is interesting. It says that if I put my trust in man. My heart will depart mm -hmm. from the Lord. Mm -hmm. If I put my trust in my intellect, in my husband, in my, in, in, in my job, in my degree, I'm going to turn my heart from God because I'm going to begin to see the economy, my job, my credit score, my savings account as my source. And that's going to be the setup. And the Bible says that wherever your heart is, there will your treasure be. So your treasure doesn't become the Lord. It becomes you. It becomes Ooh. somebody. It becomes your intellect. Ooh. It becomes your education. It becomes your money. It becomes your network. If you, The Bible says wherever your heart is, that is where your treasure is going to be. That's the reason why your heart will depart from the Lord when you begin to trust in man because your treasure becomes in your own ability. And when your treasure becomes in your own ability, the only reward you can get is what you can produce. Okay, so I, I know that you've said it and made it plain, but can you make it any plainer? Can you give a believer an example of how they could do that and not even realize that they're doing it? Absolutely, because you graduated from college, because you have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, because you have seven years of experience. Right. Mm. So now, and because you've spent time building political capital at your job, right? You've done the right things. You attended the right meetings. You go to the right church with the right people in your company, and you think all of that's going to work for you until it's time for a layoff. And then it's time for a layoff. But because you put your education, because you put your trust and your ability to network, 
and going to the right church with the right connections, not where the Lord told you to go, but just because you want to network, because you think you built up the right kind of political capital in the job, all of your trust is in that, but not in God. And so you don't understand why they would lay you off and not Billy. Who, who And Billy over here ain't got no political capital. He go to the smallest church in the city. I mean, Billy don't go to none of the functions. He don't go to none of the networks, but they kept Billy. Billy's trust wasn't in all that. Billy was over here trusting and believing God. Y'all need to share this. I'm telling you, you need to share this. You need to tag people. The other thing I was looking at in verse six, and then I'll let you get back to reading. In verse six, it says, um, it says the person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will see they will not see prosperity when it comes. And I was thinking about the vast number of people that I know who God has done something amazing for them. And they either didn't give God credit or as soon as that moment was over, they acted like God had never done anything for them. Mm. And so it's like you dwell when, when God is not your source, then you stay in this constant state of what's the next fix. God got to prove himself again and again and again and again, really because your trust isn't in God. Your trust is in something other than God. But there is a man. There verse is a seven. Man. Yeah. Verse seven. There is a man. There it, is a woman. And it, then it, and it says it says empowered to fail is going to be this first kind of person. But then in verse seven, it says, but, and I like that, <laughs> it says, but blessed, empowered to prosper is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. It says they will be like a tree planted by the water that spreads out, sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear, right? No worry, no panic. It does not fear when heat, when pressure when trouble comes, it says, but its leaves always are green. That's good. It has no worry, yeah. even in uh, in a in a year the of year of the drought. Year of drought. In it the has, year it of has drought. no worry. It has no worry, even when in the year of drought, and it keeps on bearing fruit year after it year. It never fails to bear fruit. If you go back, it says, I, I, he, um, it says, they will be like a tree planted by the water. The Holy Spirit waters us from the roots and we don't fear when heat comes. So I want you to hear this. So even though we have a word that says, hey, things are going to happen. The word says, don't panic about the things mm -hmm. that are going to happen. The, listen, I want you to hear this. That was not a word for cutback. That was not a word for take your foot off the brakes. Uh, I mean, take your foot off the gas. That was a word that said, I don't care what's happening. Don't forget what I told you. Fact. And I told you that if you trust me and if you trust the Lord, put that in the comments. I trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. Let me let me put it in the comments for myself because I need the world <laughs> to know I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord, which is actually what we were talking about last week. Um, it was the one point that we got to is that we must understand that God is our provider. That we, God we is our provider. Trust the Lord. We he trust our provider. The Lord. And and, and here's an opportunity because I always like to give the people of God a chance to repent. Have you been looking at how you can accelerate and increase, or are you trying to maintain because you heard this word, mm. because you heard what the economy is going to do? Because this is your opportunity, just like in 2020, we prospered anyway. 
put in the comments, I prosper anyway. Mm -hmm. I prosper in any season and I prosper anyway because my prosperity is not tied to the United States of America. My prosperity is not tied to this world. My prosperity is tied to the most high God. He is my source and he never runs out. Mm -hmm. So why would I take my time and look at my eyes at an inferior source that runs out of money when I can look at the source that not only heals, but delivers, provides, favors, increases, and protects? Why in the world would I ever put my trust in a job that can come and go, in clients that can come and go, in a spouse that could get sick or could get laid off. Why would I put my trust in that when I have been given the privilege to put my trust in the God of the universe? He is my source. Amen. He is my source. And when that's the case, I don't have to be anxious. Right. When that's the case, I don't have to be anxious. And I know I expect the increase. How do I know I expect the increase? I keep sowing. How do I know I expect the increase? I keep putting my hand to what he told me to put my hand to. What do, how do I know I expect the increase? I keep working to get better at what he told me to put my hand to. I'm not looking to cut back. I'm not looking to be, man, this is the opportunities for believers to step in the space and say, man, I know the world is crazy right now, but let me introduce you to the source. Let me introduce you to the God that will not only regulate your mind, but make sure that you have enough money and that you stay in health while you do it. My God, come on and give God some praise. I put my trust in God. Why? Because if I put my trust in God, I am going to flourish in every season. every season. When I put my trust in God, in Matthew 6 and 33, we used that scripture last week. It says, therefore, do not be anxious. You know who's anxious about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, and what they're going to wear? People who don't have their trust in God. It says, this is what the Gentiles, Gentiles represents people with no covenant. Don't live like you are a person with no covenant. I increase in every season. If you are a tither, especially, and I know everybody is because last week y'all repented for that. So I'm a tither. I increase in every season. The father knows what I have need of. And when I seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, he adds all the things. Say it again. I prosper in every season. I prosper in every season. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, I have a lot of favorite scriptures. Me one, too. Of my, one of my favorite scriptures, again, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It says, and then the peace of God, that nothing missing, nothing broken, will surpass all of your understanding. So you don't have to understand how God's going to do everything. What you got to do is just make the decision that your trust is going to be in him. When you you get here's how here's my test for me when I know I'm not mm. fully trusting God whenever I get anxious because the only way you get anxious is is you have your you have your trust divided. I don't get anxious about our relationship. I don't get anxious about 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 uh about how my relationship is with my kids. Why? Because I'm I'm, I'm sure of those things. You only become anxious when you aren't sure. So you have to be able to be a mature enough to go, well, if I'm feeling anxious about something, if I'm feeling anxious about paying this bill, if I'm feeling anxious about my, my health, if I'm being anxious about my relationships, 
I'm not trusting God. And a lot of people don't want to declare to themselves, I don't trust God. But just because you don't declare it to yourself don't mean you don't. In fact, God says it like this. He says, if you would admit you couldn't see, I'd help you see. If you would admit you couldn't hear, I could help you hear. If you would admit that your heart needs to be open, uh, and it's, I will help open your heart. So I say to God when I'm feeling anxious, God, help me to trust in only you. Because when I trust in God, I'm not anxious. Think about it. Go back in your life and think of any time that you knew you trusted God. There was no anxiety there. There was no anxiety. People who know their God, those who are called to do great exploits, don't, they're not anxious. Think about it. Do you think Daniel was anxious when people may lie and tell that story that way? Daniel had every confidence to know that his God would deliver him. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, what did they say? They said, listen, even if God don't do it, I won't we, bow to you. But before they said that, they said, even if he won't do it, we know he's well able to. He is well able. Their trust, they, 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 was, they, was, they had already decided that the outcome was irrelevant. And, and some of you need to decide today the outcome is irrelevant. You can trust God. No, that's good. Because that's what they said. If you go back and read it, it wasn't just the fact that they wouldn't bow down. They said, our God will deliver us. And even if he don't, he's capable. Well, and I think that that's the challenge for a lot of people. You attach your faith to God giving you the outcome right. you want. My faith is attached to God being who he says who he, he is. said he, he is. is. And, and the truth of it is, is that as I look back over 20 something years of walking with the Lord and what I can tell you is that most of the outcomes I thought I wanted, I didn't need to get anyway. He knows best. Yeah. He has a way to do it best. And I was thinking about this. You really have to watch how anxiety can try to come up with well-meaning people. We're working on a couple of deals right now. And one of the people in the deal is like, Hey, we got to hurry up so someone else doesn't get that. We don't ever move to pressure. I like don't that. move to pressure don't move like, that. like that. Because here's what we know, and here's what God has taught us. If it's ours, no one can get it. And if it's not ours, moving fast ain't going to bless us when we get it. <laughs> so so no, we, no, we don't get any pressure. We don't give any pressure. If it's yours, if it belongs to you, if you're getting ready to buy a house, a car, you're involved in some financial deal or something, and, and, and someone's saying, oh, we got to do this right now, or it's going to fall through, or this ain't going to work, and you ain't going to have it. Listen, we don't go for that. If God doesn't say move right now, I'm not moving. Because if it's for me, nobody else can get it. I don't care if it's today, if it's next week, or next month. And if it's not for me, me moving fast is not going to end up being a good result because I'm going after something and getting something that God hadn't ordained. So I'm just going to move as I trust God. And it's so, and, and that doesn't mean we don't do things in a timely fashion. And with but, due diligence. And with due diligence. But I can remember we went to get a car one time. Yeah. And the person was like, we weren't sure if that was the car. And the person was like, if you don't get this car today, you not going to get this car. We said, all right, cool. We won't get the car. All right. We'll see you later. We get up to go. They like, oh, no, 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 no. Because the truth of it is, 
is that the enemy is the one that tries to make you think that there's a limited amount of natural resources so that if you don't act right now and then it gets you to make a premature yep. decision to move to a place, to not move to a place, to grab a deal. And, and you know, and it's just and, and, and what is that? That's anxiety. Mm -hmm. All anxiety is not. I can't get out of bed. I'm afraid I'm going to be kidnapped. Anxiety is that it is that driving thing. It's like if I don't put this money down right now, it's never gonna happen. Right. If I don't get married right now, it's never gonna happen. If I don't do this right now, and when we are anxious, we are easy targets for the enemy, mm -hmm. and we're closing the door to being easy targets to the enemy. Now, I want to say this because this was the balance to this. This is not permission to be slothful. Right. This is not permission to be slothful. Not only are we not going to let people rush us, we are not going to self-sabotage ourselves. For example, if someone is helping you get a job and you're believing for a job and they say to you, hey, Edward, we need this in by close of business today. This is now not the time to be like, my pastor told me I don't let nobody rush me. That is not what we are saying. And I'm going to help you. Nor is it the time to wait till 455 and send it. Well, if, if someone is assisting you in something, I was talking to my boys about this. If somebody's assisting you in something, you are on their time. Respect their time. If they said, I want it in by end of the day, you have it there by noon. So that way, if they need to make corrections or tell you something else, you have time. So, yes, it's not a time to be slothful, but it's also not a time to rush because you're anxious because you because because you don't know if it's going to happen. Now, put your faith in God. What did God say? What is God saying? And let that anchor you. Absolutely. So we make God our source. The second thing we must do is that we must learn to give generously. Mm -hmm. Put in the comments. I am not the exception. Yep. I am not the exception. I was talking to a group of women the other day and I was saying to them, just check yourself because what I have found in the body of Christ is that we have must do a better job of building on top of prior knowledge. Yeah. What do I mean by that? When they, when you begin to learn multiplication, you didn't forget addition. Yeah. And what I see a lot of times in the body of Christ is that when you're sitting with people that are always reminding you to give and always reminding you to tithe, mm -hmm. you're faithful. But when you're not with those people, your own giving tells you. Now, what's the issue with that? The issue with that is that it shows you trust the person who's mm -hmm. telling you to give not the God who has instructed you to give. Well, See, if I got to remind you to sow every week, if I got to remind you to be, to give to the poor, to give to your peers, to give for promotion, it's because you trust me. And so when I'm not saying it, nothing in you stares you to do it. Now, Isaiah 55 makes us a promise. It says, when the clouds are full, they must release. I want to tell you the place where the enemy tries to wear you out because I remember that place. It is when you have been sowing, but your cloud is not full yet. Mm. Your cloud is not full, so there is no release of rain. I'm not saying it's not little trickles and a lot of little shower, but, but, but it seems like you have sown more than you have received. 
But the promise is, is that when the clouds are full, it must release. So what the enemy does is get you distracted by what's happening in life. So you back up off of the principle, which delays the filling of the cloud. Does that make sense? I have watched so many people that when pressure gets on, they back up off. They'll be like, the Lord told me to be a blessing to buy somebody's lunch once a week. Or the Lord told me to do this to my spiritual parents. Or the Lord told me to do this for my natural mother. And they do it. And then things get tight and they back up off of what the Lord told them to do. You don't understand that that is the time to press in and believe God so the cloud can be full. So the thing that is difficult today becomes easy in the future. You know, and I, I know that I don't have to say this, but I know that I'm going to say you this. are. I am going to say this. When the Bible talks about giving generously, it is not a monetary amount. OK, Amen. giving generously doesn't mean that I have to give an amount that has one or two commas in it Amen. In, in order for it to be generously. When we talk about learning to give generously, we're talking about learning to give not only in, in faith or by faith, but from a position that's in your heart. You know, when, when, when the Lord puts something on my heart to do, I don't go, well, that's only $20. That ain't generously. Or I don't say, oh, that's $10,000. That's generous. Generous is about you obeying the prompting of Holy Spirit. And I know I probably don't have to say you that do. because I know that people at our church understands that our, that our desire is not to get anything from them. It is actually to get something to them. But I need you to know that when we say you must give generously, we are talking about giving with a heart filled with 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 love and gratitude based on what God has done for you and then out of faith and obedience to what he's prompting you to do. And since you said that, let me say this. It is not the amount. And I want you to really really hear this. When the Lord first started teaching this this principle of giving generously and consistently, it was over $5 off. Sure it was. It was, would we be faithful every week over a $5 offering? And that $5 was a lot of money to us. Yeah. And then that $5, because we kept being faithful with that generous. What did that mean? And I want, because I know nobody likes to talk about this. There were times when, because we gave that $5 offering, we had to go home and eat. Yeah. We didn't go out to eat. Then that $5 becomes $10 because it gets easy because there's more increase. Then that 10 becomes 20 and that 20 becomes 40. That is how you increase little by little. So I don't care if you don't have a 50 cent. I don't care if you don't have but a dime. If you will be faithful over the little that you have, God will make you ruler over much. And the truth of it is, is that God honors the person who sows the dollar faithfully and consistently more than the person who sporadically sows the thousand dollars and then goes off and forgets about God. Yep. You know, the, the Bible is clear, right? It says, give, okay? And it will be given back to you. So those who are struggling saying, I'm giving, but I'm not seeing anything, you got to ask yourself, who are you looking to? Well, because if you're looking toward the source, 
The source says, give, and it'll be given back to you. And so many times what happens, we're giving, but then we're looking for somebody else to be the one to give back to us rather than doing what Jesus did when he had a need. And we talked about this. Yeah. He looked up to heaven. He had what he had in his hand and he looked up to heaven. And when he got through, it was more than enough. And when I say look up to heaven, I don't just mean literally just looking up, but you have to, your, your trust has to be in the one who made the promise that if you give, he'd give it back to you. No, absolutely. And I want y'all to stop and think about it. How many times have you sown seed and then looked to someone in the earth to give you your harvest? Now, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. God is going to use people because that's how God gets things done in the earth. I don't get to dictate which people. And when. And when. And how. And so people get frustrated because they go, I gave, I, I sold to five people and then nobody gave me anything for my birthday. That is not how this works. It's a blessing if people give you something for your birthday. It's a blessing if people honor you, but God is my source. Can y'all put that in the comments? God is my source. This is a funny story of somebody. And before you tell the story, I just, I want to, I just want to reiterate yes, one more time. When I talk about giving generously, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. I want you to see this because it's so important for you to understand that when we're talking about giving generously, I don't know what anybody as another church says. I don't know what other preachers tell you, but here's what it means to give generously. It says each one, each person must give as he has decided in his heart. That doesn't mean I get to arbitrarily decide because remember whose heart we're supposed to have. The heart of God. If I have the heart of God, then whatever that heart decides to give, I have to come into agree with it. And when I come into agreement with it, then when I do give it, there's an attitude and a posture in which I give it. How? Not reluctantly, right? Not out of compulsion. I don't have, the Lord ain't got to twist my arm to give. It says, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. God, God doesn't just want you to give. There's also a methodology for your giving. There's a, there's a, there's a right posture for your giving. Whenever God asks me to give something, even if it takes me to choke level, I deal with that and then I'm happy to give it because I realize that this scripture tells me a, God loves a cheerful giver. And in order for me to be a cheerful giver, I have to decide that what he's asking me to give, it's my good pleasure to give it, right? I don't give it reluctantly or out of compulsion. Somebody says, Pastor Edwin, how did you get to that point? The thing that broke it for me was God owns everything. I own nothing. And so because God owns everything and I own nothing, it's like it's like uh, uh, you being a parent and you saying to your child, hey, I need you to go in my wallet and bring me $5. And the kid go, uh, five dollars it's my money what do you mean what do you mean and so that and so when when that became my reality this became easy well and i think there's a two-fold part to that okay that when i make this decision i'm giving led by god right and i have decided in my heart to be a giver how many of you decided to be a heart a giver in your heart yeah. right that also means I don't allow the compulsion of other people to cause me to give. Right. That means I don't allow 
there are a, a how do I want to say this? I wish you would say it because but I'm gonna say it. You can't let high pressure sales tactics in the church cause you to give out of agreement oh, with God. Absolutely. So you cannot allow if let me say it like this. You can't you can't be in church and or any place else and the Lord has told you to give a hundred dollars, but you see uh the folk in a thousand dollar line uh getting to take a picture and a handshake. And so you're trying to get in a thousand dollar line when the Lord then already told you what to give. So you need to give what God told you to give, or vice versa. You the Lord can't tell you to give a thousand, but then you want to be like the hundred dollar people. You just got to obey God. And if God told you to give a hundred dollars, don't let somebody else talk you into giving a second hundred dollars. Right. Do, do what, what God he told you to do. Obey God. Because I, a lot of this, a lot of the, the manipulation in giving is that people are looking to people instead of God. Pastor Edwin and I have this rule. We've told you this. We for we've told you this. For years, but I'm gonna tell you again, I think it's a good principle, and I, we do it when we're by ourselves, but this is what it looks like when we're together. Number one, we know we're gonna give when we go to anybody's service. Mm -hmm. We already know we're gonna give when we go, go to a service because we're givers. We believe in advancing the work of the kingdom. But what we're gonna do when they're taking the offering is we're gonna say, What did the Lord tell you to give? We used to write it on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm and pass it to each other and we always gave the highest amount because that is what we had purposed in our heart yeah. we purposed in our heart that if we had a number between 100 and 125 we would give 125 right what we also learned to do and i do this when i'm <laughs> and, and there, there, i'm just thinking <laughs> there were some times where that number difference was significant um, it was significant. It was like now, you know, it was when them. Are you sure you heard God? Are you sure you heard God? <laughs> but but what we know is because we because we grew up like this, you can't beat God's giving, no matter how you try, <laughs> no matter how hard you try. But the point is, is that we did not allow the emotionalism in a service right. to cause us to make God say something He didn't want to say that He didn't say. Now let me add this. There have also been times that because we decided to be givers, we wanted to give an amount. That's when you say to the Lord, Lord, I want to sow a thousand dollars into this work. I don't have a thousand dollars. What we have is five hundred dollars. We're going to sow the five hundred dollars and believe you for the other five hundred dollars. So that when and then this is where a lot of people miss it in coveting, right? You say to God, how many times has somebody said, man, if I just had X, I'd be a blessing to my mama. Yeah. And then you get the money and you're not a blessing to your mama. You go on vacation. You don't bless your mama like you said you was going to bless her. How many times have you said, how many of you said, man, I'm going to give X to the scholarship foundation because that's coming up in July, right? And then increase comes and you forget what you told God. So many people miss the opportunity for promotion because the Bible says that it is better not to make a vow than to make a vow and to break that mm -hmm. vow. And so a lot of times people say to God, man, God, if you would just bless me, 
I would do this for my husband. Mm -hmm. If you would just bless me, I would do this for my pastors. If you would just bless me, amen, Lord, if you just bless me, I would be a blessing to big mama. And then you get the blessing and you forget what you told God. That's really point three, really learning to walk in wisdom where your finances are yes. concerned. That yes. really is because so many people do that. And we tell people all, you know, you hear people say all the time, oh, if I if I came, if I inherited this, or if I won a lot of, if I did this, and I do this, I would do that. The reality is you wouldn't. And, and I know you think you would, but the reality is that you wouldn't because if you want so $10 now, there's no way you're about to sow a million. There's no way you're sowing $10 million. Because then what you're going to say is, well, I can't give. And I've heard people say this before because they had them stupid little things on Facebook where they'd be asking people questions like this. And they'd be like, well, I can't give a whole a million to, to one church. I have to divide mine out. Well, okay, well, that's fine. But you that ain't what you're saying about your $10. You don't take your $10 and give a dollar to each church. What you're really showing is what's in your own heart and how you think about the church, about the kingdom, and about your resources, your resources being used as opposed to seeing them as God's resources. And you know what I think has to be one of the most foolish things in the world? Literally pastors, if you have good pastors, and I don't know where you go to church, but you, if you go to Fellowship Champs, you got good pastors. You have good pastors, shepherds after God's own heart. And it's fascinating to me that you will let your pastors advise you about your marriage, about your health, about your children. But then when something happens with increase, now what you would say is, man, I ain't giving all that money to Fellowship of Champions. What in the world? That is the most insane thing that I have ever seen. And I think what happens is, is that when people get prosperity, when increase comes, People really do get to see what's in their heart because about money. Because money, money's only a multiplier. That's all money is. Money's a multiplier. What do I mean by money's a multiplier? Right now, if you get drunk on Bush beer and you get millions of dollars, you're just going to get drunk on a more expensive beer. I thought you was about to name a more expensive I don't beer. know a more expensive oh, beer. I was, I was about to see where you <laughs> was going have, with I have that. no clue. I only know Bush because they've been in the news. Or Bud Light or whoever it was. I have no idea. I wasn't even gonna try it. What I know, Heineken. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> Rem over here, name it. Listen, I have no idea. I, I'm not a beer drinker. Never was even before I. We watch sports. We see the commercials. <laughs> My point is, is whatever you are doing now, when you come into money, all you're going to do is that in excess. What do I mean? If I'm a giver now. When I come into more money, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing, but in excess. If I help people now and I get more money, I'm just going to continue to help people. I'm just going to do it in excess. But if I'm stingy now, when I have more money, I'm just going to be even stingier. I'm not going to become more, more, more generous. And I know people think that's the case, but, but, but it's just not. Money is just a multiplier. It is a tool to make you more of who you are. Oh, and, and so we want to walk in wisdom with our finances. Now I want to give this, I want to say something funny as we move on, right? So a couple of, you need to pray for some of your saints because Trinika done said O-E. So, so, so I mean, I mean, your saints be oh, knowing. I don't even okay. know what that is. Oh, you, so think about this. We must learn to walk in wisdom in our finances and give not under compulsion, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is something that happened to us just this week. Well, it happened to you, but it's your story. I'm going to tell your story. So 
everybody in the community knows that Fellowship is a, a champions is a church that attempts to help people, right? Mm -hmm. That is what we have attempted to do, right? Over the last year or so, there have been some people that have gotten real reckless with their expectation of what we owe them to help them. Some of the requests, we, they so stupid, guys. We don't even talk to y'all about them because they just stupid. So the other day, not even, not even partners. I mean, just no, not just, partners. Right, right. right. Just, People just, who send just, us messages right, right. and say things like, um, we heard you help people. We need you to help pay for this party. Uh, uh, it's a no for me. No, real talk. It's a no for me because we walking wise in our finances, right? That would not be good use of your resources that you have entrusted to be a blessing. The other thing is that when we have helped you multiple times and you won't follow instructions, you are now not a good investment. You have to be willing to follow instructions. So over the last year or so, we've had people who've gotten really upset with us because we said, listen, we will help you do this, this, and this, but you must do this, this, and this. And they didn't do this, this, and this, and they thought that they were going to play on our emotions or compel us to give out of compulsion. The other day, what happens with the cash app request? I, don't, I, I knew that's what you're going to talk about. I, I know the story. I don't even don't. know the full details because I deleted it so fast. But it, I got a cash, and I didn't even know you could do this. I got a, someone sent, I guess you call it a message or a request to my cash app requesting $150. Well, I assumed that was some, because it came to my email. I assumed it was some kind of spam or something, and I just deleted it, right? I didn't open I just, I saw it on my phone. I just deleted it. Um, I guess the day later or something, in your Facebook Messenger, I guess there's two places. There's a place that people send you messages who are your friends, and they show up. There's another place I guess you have to go this like other folder or something. Well, in the other folder, the person who wasn't my friend like sent the message. And I don't even remember what the whole message said. I came and told you. When no, it I know what it said. Okay, tell them what the message the said. The message said. Because it was something. No, like, because they sent, they sent the request again and said. Well, they sent the request the first time. And I guess because I deleted it and I didn't respond to it in Cash App, I think Cash App sent me a reminder and said, hey, remember you have this request. And I thought, well, that's odd, you know, so I, so I just thought it was spam. I didn't want to mess with it. But then I was in my messenger and I saw the other message that said what? That said, I sent you a request for $150 to pay my light bill and you didn't respond why you didn't send the money. And so I was like, wait, is this a real person? Because who, because how does spam get so, I know they got AI, but how is spam so good that it can send me a request and then send me another message telling me I didn't respond to it. And I realized it was a real person, not a person who goes to our church, not a person who's ever communicated with me, just somebody who, who, who heard in the community, we help people. We do help people, but helping people doesn't mean you're responsible for helping everybody every time. You have to hear God. And I want to free some of you who are givers because you know we teach giving on three levels. The Bible says if you give to the poor, God will repay you, mm -hmm. right? It says you give to your peers for acceleration. You give to those who are where you want to go for promotion, right? I believe that one of the manipulations of the enemy in this season 
is to get you to take the seed that belongs to peers and for promotion and give it to the poor by sending people who manipulate you with their responses because you feel guilty because you have more than you have ever had before. And you want to be careful because one of the things that I noticed what can begin to happen is that it's like, oh, so-and-so's in trouble. Then everybody rushes. But then where is that thing that says Kristen has a new business and she needs to push over? No. So now I've taken all of my money and given to people who in many cases, hear what I'm saying, have no interest in God, have no interest in the church, have no interest in you. They just have a hustle spirit and they know you are a generous giver. Tell your neighbor, do not be manipulated. Well, and, and somebody says, why they get on? Why they on this topic? In case you just join in, because we're talking about learning to walk in wisdom where your finances are concerned. And one of the things that I have seen happen here recently, and I get it. We talked. We actually started this broadcast earlier talking about the word that the Lord gave us in 2020, and because we were so obedient to God, we were able to help a lot of people. And I thank God that we can help people. Not, I mean, our partners and people who just just in the community, people who needed help. There were people who lost their jobs, who had never needed help before, who needed food. They needed they needed medical care. They needed rent assistance. They needed insurance and car payments. Pay. God blessed us to be able to help so many people that the word got out that if you need help, just go ask Fellowship of Champions. Because one of the things we didn't do is we didn't put a dollar amount on certain things, like a lot of churches say, well, we can only help up to $100. Heck, if you needed a card note paid during that time and the Lord said pay it, we paid whatever it was. If it was insurance and the Lord said pay it, we paid it whatever it was. The Lord said, hey, help them out on rent for three months. We did whatever the Lord told us to do. But now it's gotten to the place where, where, where people, and, and some of you are like this too because you're generous. So you have to now get back to still asking God. Just because someone asks and just because you have doesn't mean you have to give. You want to always be hearing God. There have been times I didn't want to give to a particular person for a particular reason. And the Lord said, give. And I had to give. But there's been times that I wanted to give. But the Lord said, don't give it to them. And I was like, really, God, don't give it to them. And I couldn't give it. Why? Because ultimately my job is to obey God because I'm just a steward. God owns everything and I own nothing. God owns everything and I own nothing. Pull up BJ's comment because I thought that this was really good when she said, when somebody says, I want y'all to hear this. Hear what I'm about to tell you. I'm about to give you a word from the Lord that's going to free you. If somebody says, I thought you love God, the answer is no. Mm. If someone says to you, I thought you love God, what's the answer, church? No. Nope. No. Because that's manipulation. Because that is a spirit of manipulation. I thought you loved God. That is a cold word. You want to manipulate my relationship with God to get your needs met. And the answer is no. It's, it's I and, do love and God do. and no. <laughs> and do. And, and no. do. And no. Yep. And some of you need to practice that because the truth of it is, our big area here, because the truth of it is, some of you, you have made God your source, mm. right? You are generous givers, 
but you've got to walk in wisdom with your finances. Now, I want you to hear what's happening for some of you um, that you may see that this is when the enemy has manipulated you, right? So your emotions or your guilt causes you to give when God told you not to give, mm -hmm. okay? And now what ends up happening? What ends up happening is that now there is a need that you have and there is no provision for the need, but there would have been provision for the need had you not succumbed to the manipulation. Is that helping anybody? The three points of giving to the poor, to your peers, and for promotion. Upward giving. Upward giving. So, so in, into those who to where, where you want to go. You know, we we and, and we say it like this. You know what giving to the poor is? A, a peer would be like me sewing into Pastor Ralph. Ralph Pastor Ralph sewing into me. Uh, 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 upward giving would be something like, you know, like when we sow into our spiritual parents, mom and dad, right? We, we, we have desire to do some of the things that they're doing in ministry. So we sow into them because we love them and also for the same anointing that's on, on their life to be on our life, right? So those, those are the three. You give to the poor, you give to peers, and you give upward for promotion. Absolutely. But I want you guys to see this, say this, God is my source and I give as he leads. Mm. God is my source and I give as he leads because that is going to break the spirit of manipulation that is running rampant in some of your relationships and particularly in your family because people use your love for God and they really use your love for God to get you to disobey God. Mm -hmm. they, hear what I'm saying. They use your love for God to get you to disobey God. So God told you, don't let your savings account get below $2,500. Your mama come because she done gave money to little Johnny again. So now she's short on something. The only place you can get it from is your savings account. You say, that's my mama. I know God would never tell me not to give to my mama, but he would because he told your mama to stop giving money to little Johnny three years ago. So now what happens is you let guilt and manipulation cause you to give money to your mama and your mama is walking in disobedience because she loved little Johnny so much that she not going to let little Johnny do without. Now you end up in a situation where you need new tires. Guess how much the new tires and the alignment and the car repair cost? The, the $2,500 that would have been in your yeah. account that now is not in your account because you disobeyed God. Nobody is worth disobeying God for. Yeah, that's facts. That's did facts. that just help somebody? I know it did. Nobody is worth disobeying God for. Yeah. And then you're like, God, I help everybody. Why don't nobody help me? He said, because you helping people I never told you to help. I have said to young people, like I have literally had, said, had conversations with young people. I get that you're a single mother. I get that you're a single father. I get that these things are going on with your life. But here's what I noticed. You're only in my inbox when you need money. You're never at prayer. Oh. You're never at service. You're not trying to grow. You're trying to use the growth of Fellowship of Champions and the personal growth of the Stricklands to prosper you. And that is manipulation. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? Because I want you to get free. 
because some of you are going to turn this around and you're going to see increase this week because the person that would have manipulated you out of some money. And I'm, I'm not and Pastor Elma laugh at me when I call it this because everybody don't ask you direct. Because the other thing I want to call out is that spirit of dry begging. And that spirit of dry begging, see, y'all didn't know that was a spirit, but when I tell it, you go know exactly what it is. It is dry begging. It is though. dry begging. It is not direct begging because we would recognize direct begging, okay? Dry begging is the spirit where I say, let's act like Edwin, not my husband for this moment, because I do expect him to give me his money, but let's talk about <laughs> Let's act like he's not. I say, who Edwin? I just had to buy my kids some shoes. It cost $314. I didn't intend to spend $314. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Guys, dry begging. Because what am I expecting? What am I expecting? For me to offer it, something? See, it ain't direct begging. Direct begging say, Edwin, I need you to give me $314 because I'm in a bad state, right? Dry begging is what? I, I, dry, begging, dry begging doesn't work for a person in faith. Because if you say that to me, I'm going to say, bless the Lord you had it. I know the Lord going to provide whatever you need down the road. Why? Because I'm in faith for you. <laughs> so dry begging only works <laughs> on people who are not who don't fully know how to function in faith. Because if you tell me you spent three fourteen on some kids' shoes and you don't know how you're gonna make it, I'm gonna say the same way you made it when you needed that three fourteen for them shoes. You better give God some praise. The same God that bought them shoes is the same God that's gonna make sure that whatever you need, you're gonna have. Give me a high five. <laughs> praise God. That's how we're gonna respond. So listen, we really want you to walk in freedom because we're, we want to make some declarations over you that there will be no delay of your harvest. But the other thing that I want to declare over you that I don't know that I've ever prophesied over anybody, there will be no more wasting of your harvest. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard, but this, as I was praying over this, what I come against is the wasting of your harvest. The wasting of your harvest. Come on, preacher. With and 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 the Lord really is. It's good intention wasting. Mm. Your intentions are good, but it's disobedient. No more wasting of my harvest. I not only receive her harvest. But there is no more wasting of my harvest. I am able to keep my harvest. I am able to multiply my harvest. And I am able to use my harvest to advance the kingdom of God. There is no more wasting. Now, there's a scripture that says, and God will give back the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm stole. So all of the years that you have had your harvest wasted because you did not fully understand the these principles, the times, if you are a person who you can see this and you, you can think now and you say, I said yes when God told me no. Mm. I, I said yes, but I, tr I had trouble believing that God would tell me not to bless them. I had trouble believing that God would tell me that I shouldn't do that. And let me tell you, I can see that thing working on me. And, so and sometimes good. people know God said no, but it's like, but that's my so-and-so. Or they just, they, they allow guilt to just make them feel so bad they disobey God. 
You got to have a fortitude to be able to obey God. You got to have the kind of fortitude that says, I don't care how I feel about this. I know what God has told me and I'm only doing that. And anybody else, they're just going to have to deal with whatever they got to deal with. But what I'm not going to do is disobey God. I'm not going to do something to make somebody else feel good so that I then feel good in the moment, but then bad because I disobeyed God. Well, some of them felt bad when they gave. Some of them did. They felt bad when they gave. All right.